Welcome back to After Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 213. Amanda Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko and Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero. And I mean, what else do I got to say? Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero. It's finally here. Holy shit, let's break down this car, man. Yeah, I mean, it's the greatest middleweight fight of all time. And, uh, I mean, that's just not the only thing on the card. We got Jordan Mean, Bilal Muhammad. Uh, we got Tiago Mejeda Santos against this really good submission dude, Gerald Mercer, Chad LaPree, Travis Brown, Alexi, Showtime Pettis, and Jim Miller. So uh, I'm pumped up. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And, you know, let's start off at the beginning. Normally we don't start off at one of the first fights of the night, but I think uh, you know a little something here. And we got Cody Stamen. He's minus 275. He's taking on Terry and Ware, who's plus 235. What do, what do you know about uh, this newcomer, Cody Stamen? I mean, as far as the fight goes, you know, Cody Stamen, he's one of these wrestlers with very good striking he's got a lot of kicks in his arsenal he trains with Darren Crookshank and you know Terry Ware he kind of reminds me of Sean Spencer you know uh they have success if you stand right in front of him he's just strict strictly boxing fighter um but I think Cody Stammen is gonna work him in this fight and rather easily we have a huge wrestling advantage in this fight I've seen Tyrion Ware get taken down by former flyweights like Papizian, uh, go in there and get taken down easily uh, against a guy named Nick Malminas or something like that in uh, ACB. And, I mean, the entries were just terrible. And Cody Stamen, I mean, he's a very measured kid. When he On the regional scene, he doesn't go in there and he doesn't trade sloppy in front of these jobbers. He goes in there, he stays measured, he uses those side kicks and keeps you at bay. He throws spinning kicks. A lot of flashy stuff like his teammate, Crookshank, and he's got the wrestling, and he's way faster, he's stronger, and he's got a wrestling advantage. So, you know, I parlayed Cody Stamen with uh, Tisha Torres at minus 124. I think it's going to be a fairly easy win. I think he's going to dominate him in every aspect. I just think Tarion only has success if you stand right in front of him. And Cody cuts angles. Cody shoots takedowns. And um, I'm really interested to see how his UFC career goes uh, from here. I think he's got... The potential to be a UFC staple, maybe even a top 15 guy in the future, but uh, I think he's going to work Terry and Ware here. So Shaq's pretty high on this guy. I mean, look, I saw a couple of, a couple of uh, uh, clips, and uh, this kid can kick. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. You know, And he's pretty big for the weight class as well, but Terry and Ware, he's got a lot of experience. He's been in there with UFC vets, so he's no spring chicken himself. So it's going to be a very intriguing fight, but I do think there's a reason that Cody Stamen is a minus 275 favorite. I don't think this is some kind of oversight. And, and I do think the rightful favorite should go here and, and take the victory. Most likely by decision. You know, this is his UFC debut. You know how that tends to go. But don't, don't be surprised if he goes out there and gets a finish. I mean, what are you expecting here, Shaq? I'm not, I think he is going to finish him, man. I think he's going to make a statement in, the, in his debut, catch him with the uh some type of kick or just slowly beat him down with kicks and punches but Tyrion's not going to have his way here he's going to either get taken down and smashed on the with ground and pound or Cody's just going to do his thing on the feet and win an easy decision here you ready for fireworks yeah we got Rob Font he's minus 335 the comeback on Douglas Silva D'Andrage is plus 275 and you know for a fact 
when these two when these two go in there, they're gonna throw down until one guy falls down. The question is who's gonna fall down? I mean, look, Rob Font, he is the bigger guy in there, but Douglas Silva DeAndraj, I gotta give him a lot of credit. Let me tell you how much I respect this guy, Shaq. He comes off a two-year layoff, you know, and a bunch of things change within the sport. He comes back in the Mexico City elevation, and not only does he win by knockout, he wins by third round knockout against a tough warrior like Henry Briones. So, I mean, Douglas Silva DeAndrage has all my respect, but when you talk about a guy like Rob Font, you know, obviously he wins most of his fights, but the only guys he's lost to are very elite guys. I'm talking about guys like John Lineker. I'm talking about guys like Desmond Green. John, F you know, Rob Font, if you're a slouch, Rob Font's not going to lose to you. But Douglas Silva DeAndrage, look, he's got one of those boxing records. And what I mean by that is he's 24-1. and one, And there's only three guys on the UFC roster that have boxing-type records. And I'm talking about Douglas Silva DeAndrage, Jimmy Rivera, and Tomas Almeida. You know, coincidentally enough, they all happen to be in the same weight class, and I hope they all fight each other. Two of them are fighting each other right now. But bottom line here is, you know, obviously fights aren't contested on paper. This motherfucker wins a lot of fights. That's what I'm trying to say here. So Rob Font needs to be on his A game to win this fight. I do think if he shows up, you know, he will be able to, you know, he's the longer fighter out there. I do think he's going to, you know, clip DeAndrage at the end of his punches. If he has to use his size and use those takedowns at the end of rounds, I do think that they're, that they're going to be available. But this isn't going to be a walk in the park here. He's not going to just go in there and get an easy win. He's going to have to battle for it. You know, so with DeAndrage, look, if anyone takes the shot here, honestly, at plus 275, when, when you got a guy that's 24 and 1, and it's not just the number, it's the way this guy fights. You know, I, I don't blame anyone at all, but personally, at the end of the day, gun to my head, I do think Rob Font is going to go out there and get the victory. Yeah, for those parlaying Rob Font, be very careful here because Douglas Silva is no slouch. I mean, this guy is brutal. He's a he's like a, what I call a bruiser. Um, I compare him to something like, you know, uh, Neto BJJ for something. Like, you know, his physique's so... It's so intimidating, and everything he throws, you feel it. You know what I'm saying? And Font, he is the better fighter here, but the thing why I like Font in this fight, I'm not betting it at minus 335, but I, the reason why I like him is he doesn't go out there and he doesn't brawl. Rob Font sticks to a game plan. He's very, he's a very well-trained fighter. But if he did get into a firefight with Andrade, that would be a huge mistake because Andrade can crack, and all he needs is one shot to put you out. And we've seen Rob Font, you know, in the past. Granted, it'd be against one of the hardest-hitting bantamweights in the world, John Lineker. We he did flop to his back a couple times due to body shots, but hey, he it is what it like is. A man. He took it like a man, and he didn't get finished. And you know, he hung in. He hung in there with Lineker, man. He he popped Lineker's head back a couple times with some jabs, but uh, Andrade is no slouch, man. I, I'm kind of scared of that dude, to be honest. So I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against him. But hey, it is what it is. I got Rob Font. 230-27, so 29-28, but it's going to be a really good fight. I mean, what he proved in his last fight, Andrade, is that, you know, I, I wanted to say here, I'm willing to make a bet that he's going to be in the UFC a long time, but the dude only fights, you know, once every two years, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, maybe I'm going to take that one off the table, but bottom line is, this guy's a winner in every sense of the word, but Rob Font's a gamer as well, and I do think he's the rightful sp rightful favorite in this spot. Now, man, this one's real intriguing right here. We got Bilal Muhammad. He's minus 140. 
The comeback on Jordan Meehan is plus 120. Now, Jordan Meehan's one of these guys that, you know, it, it, it's a mental thing with Jordan Meehan, you know, because physically speaking, all the tools are there, man. I mean, when he lets his hands go, those combinations that it's almost like a left hook shovel punch that he landed on Mike Pyle, what he sent him launching, I mean, that was... That, that was straight out of a movie, you know what I'm saying, man? And then also those elbows against Evangelista Cyborg. He's, you know, one, you know back when he beat uh, Dan Miller, you know, he escaped that deep arm bar, and then he goes out there and knocks him out. I was like, man, this dude's made out of a lab, you know? But speaking of being made out of a lab, a lot of things have changed in this sport. And I don't think he's the same guy anymore. And, you know, I, I don't like to rush to say that thing about fighters at that level of the game. But when you see a fight like the Tiago Alves fight where, you know, he's the hammer and, and he looks like a world champion, but as soon as, you know, a single second of him being the nail, it's over. That's all she wrote. And even prior to that, you know, so the first round, he looks like a world champion. Second round comes out, he's doing somersault. He, he loses his concentration. And then he takes one body kick, he takes a knee, and that's all she wrote. He retired after that point. He comes back, and then uh, you guys saw that fight with Mech where, you know, he, you know, first round while he was fresh, he, he landed some big shots, but he succumbed to the pressure and to the guy who simply wanted it more. It wasn't the better fighter that won that night. It was the guy that wanted it more. And with Bilal Muhammad, he's one of these guys that, in most cases, he wants it more. You know, the one time he lost, or the two times he lost in the UFC, it wasn't a case of, you know, someone outwilling him or outworking him. You know, he got hurt in both of those fights really badly. In the Alan Juban fight, he almost came back. Almost. If there were five rounds, it would have been a different case. But it was a three-round fight. But look, Alan Juban, he's one of the top guys on planet Earth. And then against Vicente Luque, I mean, what can I say? Vicente Luque was riding hot at the time. Caught him with a perfect counter. Bilal does tend to keep that chin up in the air at times. But, but Bilal also moves his head. He also sets up that jab he also mixes it up to the body but more importantly it's that mindset that he brings to the table that's different than jordan mean jordan mean's got the physical tools here but Bilal has got the mental fortitude going here and i feel like the upside in this spot goes to Bilal muhammad and i do think that he's going to be able to weather all the you know there are going to be some tough spots you know Bilal might even get dropped in this spot but i do think that he's going to be able to eventually survive what Jordan Meehan brings to the table, come back, take over late, pressure Jordan Meehan, and win this fight, whether it's a late stoppage or a, or a decision, which, you know, he's known for. You can mix in takedowns in there, too. But that being said, I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do as far as a bet yet because, you know, it was minus 165. I wasn't liking that price, but now it's minus 140. Now, now we're talking, you know, so I'm going to be patient on this one. Let's see what let's see where the public takes it. The public the public seems to like Jordan Mean, which is a good sign for us. So we're gonna be patient, keep our eyes on it, and uh, if it hits uh, a tiny bit lower, I think we're gonna move in. So you know, I got Bilal Muhammad for the victory. Jordan Mean back in the day, one of the nastiest strikers there is in the game. I mean, the elbows that that vicious you know left hook right hook combination that he throws and those straight lefts and you know, even back in the day, it's always been the mental thing with him. I mean, you guys remember that Hernani, Hernani Perpetua fight when he wins the first two rounds, and in that third round, something happens where Hernani cracks him, and he, he's like, 
checking out, looking for a way out. Luckily, he already won the first two rounds, so, you know, he was able to rely on that. Against Bilal, you know, Bilal, let's, get, let's be honest here, he's too small for the weight class. And, you know, coming out of these exchanges, his stance, you know, one of his hands are always at his waist. So the thing with him is he tends to get clipped coming out these exchanges a lot. You know, granted, granted, you know, his last fight against uh, Randy. Randy Brown, you know, Randy's just too green. And, you know, against uh, Augusto, Augusto, uh, what's his last name? Montano. Montano. You know, that's a guy who's just not UFC level. So I feel like he was, you know, able to get past those. But in this fight, man, I don't want him on the feet with Mean at all because, you know, for this fight, we all know that Jordan Mean is not a social media guy. For this fight, he made a social media account. He posted training, training, yeah. He posted training uh, footage. He posted training photos. He's at the UFC Institute, and we know this guy's, you know, super anti-social, and. The fact that he did that makes me think that, man, he's taking this fight seriously. Like, he might come in shape. Like, he he might come back this old mean. So, at minus 165, I was like, nah, I'm good. But now I see Bookmaker has it at minus 129. So, I'm hoping that DSI has it somewhere around there as well. And I like that line just because once you retire from the sport, that means your head and your brain is already checked out of it. That means you want to know more. As where Bilal never thought about that. Bilal's still young in the game. Jordan's only 26, 27, but in the fight game, I mean, we're talking about a guy with like 40, 50 fights already at that He's age. He's like 97 yeah. in the fight game. Who turned, who turned <laughs> pro, he turned pro when he was 16 years old. You know, because he fought family, Rory McDonald yeah. in like his first fight yeah, or something. Because, you know, his dad's a fighter, and his dad just put him into that the fight game at such a young age, which probably detrimented him a little bit. But You know, I his knew, dad still fights. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just think it's a case of Jordan taking too many fights at a young age. And, you know, Bilal, if he sticks to the game plan of wrestling, wrestling and uh, I actually think Bilal's wrestling in his ground game is catching up with his striking. I mean, we saw that Randy Brown fight. I mean, that's what won him the fight, and he dominated him in that area. Like I said, Randy Brown's green. But Jordan Mean in his fight against Mech, I mean, at this stage in your career, you're still letting that happen to you. And I attribute I attribute that to him retiring, him checking out. So if any type of adversity happens in this fight, if things don't go Mean's way right off the bat, we could see the same thing happen. We could see Bilal take over and just completely break him. But, you know, I need that line to be around minus 130, minus 135, or minus 129 like Bookmaker has it. If it does hit that line... I will definitely be playing it, but you know I am scared about. I'm scared of Mean on the feet. I mean, it's it's young gun Mean, bro. Like we've seen what he's done to dudes, and he's still he's still got some left in him. He's not completely done yet. He's he's still he's still fairly young, and uh, so uh, at minus one sixty five, I don't like it. But the pick is Bilal Muhammad, but be very careful. Man, you know when it was first announced, we were very confident in Bilal. What happened? But then we saw, then we looked at Instagram and we saw that means motivated for this fight. And I know he wasn't motivated for the mech fight. He probably didn't know who this guy was. He, you know, and, uh, you know, he's laughing in the octagon when he gets hit and he's just checking out. And in all the pre-fight interviews before that, he said, I was completely done with the sport. I didn't want to fight anymore. So when you do, when you say things like that, that means you're done. 
Yeah, and also the whole Ramadan thing is a little. Yeah, I mean. I mean, re- respectable out, but. But the you know I, I won't go too much into depth like that, but you know he doesn't have that much water in his head. Just put it that way. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. He's not fully fed <laughs> yeah, and hydrated. Yeah, exactly. But he's a he's a real badass because yeah. you remember that third round against Alan Juban. Yeah, he, he he almost came back, but Law's relentless. If he's still in there, you know. But if uh, Mean can come in that first round and get him out of there, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, Mean's motivated for this fight. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got Palal Muhammad, and uh, I might be releasing a play on him in the next couple of days. Stay tuned. But next up, we got Tiago Maheta Santos. He's minus 145. The comeback on Gerald GM3 Mearshart is plus 125. Now... You know, I hate to be the guy that's like, oh, this is striker versus grappler, but, I mean, this is striker versus grappler, dude. I mean, is Tiago Santos going to go out there and knock out Gerald Mershar or anything? Gerald can weather that storm, go out there, take the back of Tiago, and choke him out, similar to to how Eric Spicely did. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a tough fight in some sorts, but I think to I actually think Tiago's gonna knock him out in this one, man. You know, when the line opened up, Tiago actually opened up this fight as the underdog, and I know Tiago is a tapper. I mean, when I say tapper, I mean Michelle Waterson tapper, like <laughs> I mean I mean like tap tap the mat, like. Not even tap the arm, but like tap the mat, like bang on it to get out of there. He's one. He's one of those type of guys. So if you know Mershard gets a gets an arm bar, we might see Tiago bang on the mat to get out of there. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Michelle Waterson will tap that mat, bro. If you tap the mat, bro, you you're you're officially you know you're just a you're a tapper. But you know, in this fight, it comes Melvin down to <laughs> a Melvin Gillard tapper. You know. Um, Mershart, man, he's solid with his jiu-jitsu. I mean, he's got some nasty jiu-jitsu. Most of his wins are by sub, and a lot of his losses are by sub as well. But uh, I think Tiago's going to stuff the takedown here. You know, I think Mershart's best chance is to get into some kind of crazy scramble, which could work out, but I don't see it happening. I think Tiago's coming off ready off that uh, Jack Jack Marshman win. I think he's going to stuff the takedown, and I think he's going to blast Jared, Gerald with some hard body kicks that he's never felt before in the UFC. I mean, this, let's just put it this way. This ain't Ryan Janes anymore, and this ain't Capo Joe Galati anymore. This is Tiago Mejeda, and I think he's going to get a, a a bad, rude awakening to the to a different level of competition. It's one of those things, man, where it's kind of tough to say because it's like, is Tiago going to go out there and absolutely starch him, look unbelievable, look like a world champ? Or is he going to you know, be the guy that lets Eric Spicely finish him in the first round in under two minutes? You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's you're flipping a coin on if he drops the ball or not. I'm going to go ahead and say, even though GM3 is a guy, he trains at Rufus Sports, so he's training with some serious strikers on a daily basis. It's not like Tiago Maheta is going to be the first real striker he faces in there. Plus, the guy's a vet. I mean, he's a guy that tapped out Sam Alvey like seven years ago. You know what I mean? He's been around for a long time. So the odds makers also opened GM3 as a favorite for a reason. The, the public switched it around. So it's about, do you think this is going to be Tiago Maheta's, you know, breakthrough performance where he goes out there, stops him with another body kick, a head kick, 
Or do you think uh, GM3 can take what he's got to, you know, what he brings to the table, take him down on the ground, and, you know, get him to tap on that mat? So you said you had Tiago? Yeah, I got Tiago here, man. By first round finish. You know what, man? Honestly, I'll go with GM3 by first round finish. Well, interesting. <laughs> May the best man win. Now, this one I don't think we're going to disagree on because we got Chad Lepree. He's minus 500. He's taking on Brian Camozzi, who's plus 400. Now, Brian Camozzi, he's uh, what we like to refer to as a jobber, you know, <laughs> as a Camozzi. You know, he, he's a he's a Camozzi, you know, and it's not some other Camozzi. It's the Camozzi's brother, you know what I mean? And he's fighting Chad Lepree, who's moving up in weight class, and I think that Chad Lepree, he's going to be able to take shots better at 170 pounds. And, man, he, he's a pretty uh, decent striker, man. I mean, he's got a nice little point-striking stri point style, you know? Jab, jab, move around, inside leg kick, switches stances, head kick, you know? I like what he does, and let's see if he goes out there and uh, makes the most of his welterweight debut. Yeah, you know... Uh, Even though technically it's not his welterweight debut because he missed away his last fight. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, in this fight, I love Lepree. I mean, when the line came out, it was minus three-something. I can't remember exactly, so, you know, I was looking to put that in the parlay. But, you know, the fans jumped on it, and rightfully so. I mean, what's Kamozi got, to be honest? I mean, I I seen him in uh, I seen him in LF uh, RFA getting fighting five six welterweights getting tagged inside the pocket, and I mean, against a guy like Lepree who has wins over uh, OAM Barbarina, you know, been in there with a way better competition and just flatlined Tebow Gotti by the way. And to be honest, I thought he beat Ross Pearson. I thought he won every round against Ross. And we even though, and we beat we even bet though, Ross. Even though I did bet Ross that night live, I thought we lost, but we were very fortunate that we were in Ross territory, so we got the nod. But Lepree, moving up 15 pounds, he's going to have that water in his head. He's not going to, you know, be diminished. And like I said, I don't think Kamozi belongs in the UFC. This, ain't has, this has nothing to do with his brother. This is just a skill factor. Lepree is better all across the board. If by any means we're having trouble on the feet, we can always take him down. Lepree's got good takedowns as well. But uh, Kamozi is going to get smoked here. I got Lepree by second round TKO. Unfortunately, it's the minus 500. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, DSI still hasn't opened the line, but it is what it is. Travis Brown, he's minus 220. He's taking on Alexi Olenek, the boa constrictor. He's plus 180. Now, Alexi's my boy. You know, if you can knock out Jared Roshaw, I'm a fan of yours. <laughs> you know. You know, I'm a big Alexi fan, too. You know, I called that upset at plus 335 against Jared Rosal way back in the day. And, you know, I've also bet against Alexi, you know, against uh, Dan O um, when he was coming off that two-year layoff. And, you know, Alexi's one of these guys, you know, he's he's good in chaos. He has to make something crazy, crazy happen. And, you know, in this fight with Travis, you know, I'm going to take Travis in this one just because I don't think Alexi can. I think his striking's sloppy. It's real loose all over the place. It's bad. It's bad, to be honest. I'm not saying that he can't knock out Travis. This is a heavyweight fight. And Travis has been, you know, repeatedly finding ways to 
quitting fights, you know, the Verdum fight, he said his finger was broken, and he quit. That, that's a TKO, you know. And then against uh, Black Beast, he has him hurt, and he finds a way to get knocked out. And since, you know, the allegations came out, I mean, this dude's been on a straight, you know, decline. I do think Travis is going to get this one just because I don't think Alexi, as bad as Travis is, I still don't think Alexi's on his level. I think Alexi has to has to pull off something crazy, uh, um, a KO just out of his ass. And I can't bet it because I'm not going to bet on a guy to pull off something that he's not known for necessarily. You know, I don't think he's going to take Travis down. Travis still has good takedown defense. He can still stuff. And we know about those elbows when his back's against the fence. So, you know, I'm going I'm to go with Travis in this one. Definitely not betting on Travis. I mean, I don't bet on quitters, and I don't bet on guys that mentally check out on fights, but I just don't think Alexi has that much to trouble him, per se. I mean, I don't think he's going to take him down, but if he knocks him out, hey, he knocks him out. The bottom line is Travis Brown hasn't been the same guy since the first War Doom fight. That's all there is to say. He's been a shell of himself. Before the first War Doom fight, he was this animal that people feared in the heavyweight division. Now he's the joke. He's the running <laughs> joke of the heavyweight division, man. He's not it's not the same guy we used to see. And even, you know, the fights he won, like the the Alistair Overeem fight, he got the absolute shit beat out of him, you know, the entire fight until he landed that one kick. So it's not like he's gone out there and, you know, he system systematically dismantle these guys or anything like that he's just you know i mean he landed a couple he landed a couple cool elbows and you know he made his name that way and i i, I think that's coming to a, a screeching halt and i think that alexi olenek he's won like 10 of his last 11 and his only loss was a ma uh, majority decision against a guy who had a meldonium exception going <laughs> going in in the fight I think that Alexi Olenek's going to find a way to win, man. I mean, this is a guy that knocked out Jared Roshaw. He's a guy that schoolyard headlocked Mirko Krokop. And uh, he's done it to a couple other guys, too. He did it to Anthony Hamilton. And uh, I think he's going to find a way to do something uh, very embarrassing to Travis Brown. And I think Travis Brown is going to head to Bellator after this fight. So I got <laughs> Alexi Olenek for the upset. Now, next up... You ready for this, man? Two years ago, this would have been a title fight in the lightweight division. Two years ago, this would have been two More top... Than two years ago. Two... <laughs> 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 Maybe three years ago, this would have been two top five guys going at it. We got Anthony Showtime Pettis. He's minus 245 in 2017, Shaq. He's taking on Jim Miller, who's plus 205. And, I mean, look... Let's, let me just ask you the question. Let's cut to the bullshit. Everyone knows who both these guys are. Is Jim Miller going to do it, man? You know, uh, I'm still on the fence, but, you know, I, I will pick Jim Miller in this. I mean, when's the last time Anthony Pettis showed up to a fight? Let me, can I say this? I don't want to discredit a fighter that I, I looked up to, a guy that innovated the sport when he jumped off the fence in the WEC against Benson Henderson, a guy who was... You know, in his prime, one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters on planet Earth. But at this point in time, you know, it's the fight game like we talk about. He hasn't been that guy. And anyways, what I was trying to say was, even in his championship defense against Gil Melendez, I started to kind of see that it wasn't the same guy, man. And then 
you know, honestly, I thought he looked amazing against Rafael Dos Anjos. You know, he landed a clean head kick to the chin, and Rafael just took it for some reason. Anyone else would have went down, but after that, he was never the same ever again. I mean, he just mentally broke. It was kind of like something we were talking about earlier. And Jessica, I, not saying that he's checking out, but his style hasn't changed. He re, he goes out there, his back's still on the fence. Against these wrestlers, he finds ways to just find himself on his butt in bad positions. And it, it hasn't changed. And, you know, if Jim sticks to a game plan, and the game plan isn't hard. Jim is a D1 wrestler. Jim has all the tools to win this fight. Jim's actually been showing up to his fights lately. The Dustin Poirier fight, he showed up. Even though he got his ass whipped, he showed up. The Tiago Alves fight, he ate two flush head kicks and was fine. And the the timing of the takedowns are beautiful, to be honest. So Jim Miller's been showing up to his fights. As where Pettis, the last time, even the Charles Oliveira fight, even though he won, we know the deal with Charles. Kick him in the body and he'll shut down. So, you know, I'm not going to put... Charles, yeah, yeah, Jim leg lock Charles back in the day but my thing is if Jim goes out there and sticks to him like Lou he can easily take this fight he will have to you know eat a big body kick but that kick ain't even the same anymore these guys you know that are past their prime all their skills start diminishing just slowly so that kick if you go back and watch that fight with Eddie Alvarez you can arguably say Eddie Alvarez was kicking harder than Pettis like Eddie Alvarez was walking through that body kick like it was nothing so you know I feel like once Pettis realized that that kick wasn't the same I mean I feel like his game is just diminished and you know I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Jim here you know I'm still on the fence as as far as a as far as a bet just because you know Jim historically does not win these big fights and you know this is a big fight this is the fight that jim won and you remember when these guys were coming over from the wec jim miller was on the record for saying that these guys are overrated and that they're not going to hang in the ufc and he's already lost to two of them so you know uh benson and cowboy so let's see if uh the third one beats him but uh, i'm gonna go with jim here you know what man I'm, I'm going to agree with you, man. I'm going to go with Jim Miller here. Look, Anthony Showtime Pettis will not get his back off against the fence. That's the bottom line. Jim Miller knows what he has to do here. The kick is not the same that it used to be. Go watch Anthony Pettis versus Benson Henderson the second time they fought, man. That body kick was absolutely devastating, man. You cringe when you hear the sound of that body kick. And then go watch it against Eddie Alvarez. It's not the same at all. Go watch it against Charles Oliveira. You know what? He did show up against Max Holloway. You know, he was a title fight. You do show up, but he, you know, he still got stopped for the first time. You know, it's just at that point where he's getting stopped in his career now. You know, he's not the same guy. Do you remember how innovative he used to be? Remember how when Anthony Pettis used to fight, it used to be like when Anderson Silva used to fight. You know, you'd always wonder what Anthony Pettis was going to throw next. He was just such a. He was so ahead of his time, man, and. You know, I really miss those days, but at this point in time, Jim Miller, look, let, let's be honest with it. I know he lost that fight to Dustin Poirier, but at the end of the day, this is just a fact. Jim Miller got a draw on one judge's scorecard against Dustin Poirier in 2017. That's all I got to say about that. Can Anthony Pettis say that in 2017? I don't think so. So, honestly, I am thinking about taking a one-unit shot on Jim Miller, just to find out 
if Anthony Pettis really is on the way out. You know, I don't buy the, you know, I'm hungry again and, and this and that. I think Sergio Pettis, you got to look out for that guy. I think that guy might be a future world champion. It's his time. You know, he hasn't been there yet. Anthony Showtime's been there. He's done that, man. He's got the hot girlfriend. He's got the big house. He's got the, he's got the everything, man. It's, you know, and, uh, Jim Miller wants a taste of that, man. You know, Jim Miller's been in the UFC a long time. He's been there. Jim Miller's got that, too. <laughs> over, he's got that in a sense. He's got over 20 fights, but I don't think Jim Miller's ever beat a former champion. No. You know what I'm saying? This yeah. would be the biggest win of Jim Miller's career, man. So I think he's going to be hungry for it, and, you know, anything can happen. Look, because in their primes, Anthony Pettis would absolutely go out there and head kick Jim Miller and put him out, you know, body kick him and put him out. Because you remember against that Cowboy fight when, when when Jim Miller basically quit twice in that fight. But Jim Miller, he, he overcame the Lyme disease, man. And whatever it was, man, that Tiago Alves performance and the Dustin Poirier performance, that's a new Jim Miller, you know, or basically it's a, a Jim Miller's back. Let's just put it that way. I'm not convinced Showtime's back. So for that reason, man, I'm going to go with Jim Miller here. We'll see what happens. Now, next up. This is funny because we were talking about this for Max Bet season before we find out what the line was going to be. It's Curtis Blades' is minus 900. Comeback on Danny Maldoni on Daniel Omelanchuk's plus 600. We didn't realize it was about to be minus 100 on this shit. Minus 900 on this shit. Yeah, I mean, wow. Uh, when the fight got announced, you know, I was trying to, I was looking at all over on Blades, you know, figuring out ways I could, you know, bet him. But, you know, it's out the question now. You know, Blades is, uh, man, Blades has all the potential in the world. We're talking about a guy who took down Francis Ngannou in his debut, absolutely mauled Cody East, mauled uh, Milstead. And, you know, this is going to be his, since Ngannou, this is going to be, you know, the best guy he's ever fought. You know, Omalunchuk, he's um, he has the same problem with Pettis, you know, uh, always with his back on the fence, always getting taken down. And, I mean, when you're getting taken down by Stefan Struve, there's a very good chance you're going to get taken down by Curtis Blades with a blast double. Only way I see Curtis losing this fight is if he tries to go out there and test his striking. You know, he's been working with Dwayne Ludwig a lot in Colorado. And, you know, if he wants to go out there and test his striking, I'm not saying that he can't beat Dano in that area, but Dano's tough, man. Dano, Dano's a vet, and... Even though he's got that big belly, he's still very agile for a heavyweight, and he can crack. So if he wants to test his stand-up, I don't think that's a smart idea. You know, I just use the typical – I would use the typical game plan to beat Dano, which is just taking him down and hold him against that fence, which he he loves to have his back on the fence. And, you know, finish him off with some ground-and-pound uh, ground pound strikes and move on and, you know, become a top 15 guy. Take Take that top 15 spot from Dano. You see what Curtis Blades did in his last fight? <laughs> man, he, he, he threw that guy out of the octagon, and basically he's got the chance to do that here. I think that's what he's going to do here. I mean, at the same time, Curtis Blades is a little bit green. I mean, you remember that fight with Cody East? Even though he beat the fuck out of Cody East, those, times. those elbows to the side of the head were vicious. He still he got taken down from Cody mm -hmm. by Cody East, so... You know, he, he, he tends to fuck around a lot, but the potential is there, is there. The athleticism is there. I don't think this is going to be one of those spots where, you know, he, he takes a learning lesson from the vet, you know, Danny, uh, Danny Omelanchuk. I do think this is going to be, a, you know, a showcase fight for, for Curtis Blade. So I got the minus 900 favorite here. 
Next up, Alistair the Reem Overeem is taking on Fabricio Vicavalo Wardoom. What are you thinking, man? You know, this is a a, a trilogy a trilogy fight. Um, for Doom, a legend, at one point was the greatest heavyweight of all time. And you know, Overeem is a top five heavyweight of all time. Wins over JDS, Verdum, uh, Andre Arlovsky. Uh, I mean, this guy, he's a legend, a K1 champion, Strike Force champion. You know, uh, one thing I noticed about Verdum in the Travis Brown fight, early on in the fight, he was doing the same thing that cost him his title against Stipe. He was running in face first, and you know, I pretty much pick Overeem against every heavyweight uh, except, you know, Stipe Miocic, the top guys, even though he's been KO'd like eight or nine times. Cautious Overeem is super hard to beat. The Overeem that runs away is super hard to beat with that high guard. That's the way he's got to fight. That's the way he's got to play it. You know, if Fabricio can catch him on the chin and he goes down, then I won't be surprised at all. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's been KO'd several times, but... I'm expecting Alistair to go out here, keep that high guard, run away, get Fabricio to run in with his chin up and uh, land a big counter and knock uh, Fabricio out. I'm not concerned about the takedowns at all. I think Overeem stuffs those, beats him in the clinch. Fabricio's improved a lot, but I still think Overeem is going to uh, beat him beat him on the feet and stuff the takedowns. Uh, we know the kick. Overeem's arguably the greatest heavyweight striker of all time. It's just that chin. And uh, as long as he doesn't play around and do anything stupid, I think he's going to take this fight. <laughs> if you go back and you watch the second fight between Overeem and Wardoom, Wardoom won the striking exchanges. It's just that he wasn't that confident in himself, and he would, you know, he'd outstrike Overeem, and then he'd flop to his back. You know, he didn't he didn't stand up and keep striking. But if you look at the strike count, he outstruck Overeem in that fight, man. And I think since that point, he's working with Master Hoffa now. You saw what he's done. I mean, since he started working with Master Hoffa, he made it all the way to the, to the world title, man. He dethroned Kane, and uh, he's been looking better than ever. I think he's going to establish his jab. And I think the whole, you know, people think he runs forward and this and that. He's been doing that his entire career. He's been getting away with it. You know, someone like Stipe can, can capitalize. I, I think Wardoom, I think uh, Overeem can capitalize on certain situations, but I think that Wardoom is going to go out there and pressure Overeem, and actually he's going to knock him out. He's going to use his tie clinch, go out there, and uh, put a knee to the chin of Overeem, knock him out, and Wardoom's going to be back for the title. I think that Master Hoffa is going to have Fabrizio Wardoom ready for this fight, and uh, I think that's going to be all she wrote. So next up. The co-main event of the evening. You ready for this shit? Yeah. Robert Whitaker is minus 130. The Soldier of God, Yoel Romero, is plus 110. And man, what else is there to say? Well, let's just get this, you know, out there. Yoel Romero has cashed as an underdog five times in a row. And Daniel, what is what's what is he right now? He's an underdog. I mean, I don't see why not. It's not going to be six, but, hey, he's fighting Rob Whitaker, one of the nastiest boxers in the game right now. I mean, this guy's boxing is just insane. We remember what he did to Brad Tavares. We saw what he uh, did to Jacare, the way he changed Rafael Natal's life. I know Rafael, you know, got through all three rounds, but his life will never be the same <laughs> anymore. You saw fight after? Yeah, exactly. He'll never be the same after that, but 
Yoel Romero, you know, obviously has the wrestling advantage, but can he get Rob down? I don't think he necessarily has to. I think he's going to – I think their plan is to go out there and, you know, trade with Rob. And, you know, this guy is an underdog. I told myself anytime Yoel Romero is an underdog, you should bet it. And, you know, I'm still not going to do it. But, you know, it is what it is. I think Yoel's going to pull this off, though, in a in a chaotic situation, uh, a big flying knee or just a, a big overhand left or a spinning back fist like in the Jacare fight. Something something odd just because that's, that's the way he generally gets his uh, business handled. But, um... I don't bet any. I don't blame anyone for betting on either guy. These are the, the, in my opinion, these are the two best middleweights in the division. I would max bet both of these guys against Bisping, and you know, I'm gonna go with Yoel just because he finds a way. Third round, third round, Yoel Romero turns it up, and he he's catches an underdog five times in a row. Why would I doubt him again? You know. I don't know what to say here, man. I mean, these are the two best guys in that division. They could both win this fight at any point. Robert Whitaker is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the way that he fakes you out, and then he comes out of nowhere the, with that leaping left left hook. He's so fast for the weight class. He's so agile. Yoel Romero is just a freak of nature. He explodes out of nowhere. He lulls you in, into a false sense of security. It's just, this is the best fight of 2017. This is the best fight that the UFC's put on in a very long time. I don't see a reason in betting this fight because why would you feel confident betting against Robert Whitaker or Yoel Romero? Now, I understand why you'd feel confident betting on Robert Whitaker or Yoel Romero, but betting against either guy, that sounds crazy to me. I mean, both these guys are phenomenal. Now, people talk about how Yoel gasses out and this and that. You know, he's won like five of eight of his uh, UFC wins by third-round knockout, you know. And then another two are by decision, and then the other ones by first round knockout. So I don't see, I don't see the deal with the third round talk, man. I, he finds a way to win no matter no matter what it is, and he was the same way in his wrestling career. He'd uh, wait until the moment to win the fight, and then he'd go out there and win the fight or, or win the match in that sense. And Robert Whitaker, he's absolutely phenomenal. Ever since he moved up to 185, the speed, the power, everything's translating. And I just love the way he lunges in. I love his, I love his aggression in there. I love how he mixes it up. Uh, you know, he mixes up that jab, and then out of nowhere, when you least expect it, that one-two to the head kick. Then he starts bombing with the uppercuts and his scrambling ability. I'll go as far as saying that he has the best takedown defense since Jose Aldo. And Yoel Romero, you try to take that guy down, you, as Chris Weidman did, he pops right back up as well. I mean, both these guys, their athleticism, their skill, their will to win, it's amazing. It's just, you know, one guy's super young in Robert Whitaker, and one guy is old and 40 years old in Yoel Romero, and I don't know if that makes a difference here. It's going to be interesting. I, it's going to be about who imposes their will on the other. I really have no clue. I hope this fight is a draw, but at the same time, I want both of them to be champion. I, I wish that Yoel was fighting Bisbing. He could go out there finish Bisbing, and then Whitaker could come in and maybe uh, dethrone Romero. So, dude, I, I have no idea. Whoever's the underdog on fight day, I'll pick and tout master, but I don't have a pick for this fight. I think they're both the best guys on planet Earth. I think they're both the champions, 
And I, I think that picking against one of these guys is almost foolish. And, you know, someone's going to be like, oh, you know, whoever the winning side is is going to be like, oh, what do you mean it was foolish? But before the fact, it's just kind of like, why would you pick against Yoel Romero, the guy that's came through for me every single time I've bet him? Why would I pick against Robert Whitaker, the guy that's come through for me every single time I've bet him? And they've both been the underdogs almost every single time. I mean, and this style matchup is ridiculous. So I'm just planning to see one of the best fights that I've seen in a very long time. I just want to be a fan on this one. I want to sit back. I want to really enjoy it. I want to turn my phone off. I just want to take this one in and uh may the best man win whoever wins this this is the middleweight championship in my mind this is not the interim belt this is the real this is the real belt as far as i'm concerned and may the best man win that's all i got to say about that man yeah man i can't wait it's the greatest middleweight uh title fight of all time it really is and guess what we got another title fight amanda nunes she's minus 110 and valentina shevchenko is also minus 110 if I win all my bets for this weekend, I am looking to play Valentina Chevchenko if it hits dog money. You know, so two things have to happen there. But I, I like Valentina in this fight. You know, I think Amanda Nunes, uh, I mean, what can I say? I feel like she's more of a product of her opponent. Now, I know she beat Valentina already, but that was Valentina's second fight in the UFC coming off the Sarah Kaufman fight. And, you know, she had to take that first UFC L, you know. It was just too much too soon. And, you know, I bet Valentina that night, you know, I was very disappointed. But in that third round, the thing we know about Amanda Nunes happened again. She gassed out and she quit. When this chick loses that energy level, it's over with. She, she will look for that way out. And, you know, now this being a five-round fight, we have those two extra rounds to come and take over this fight. And, you know, I think the exact same thing is going to happen again. Like, Amanda Nunes, after she lost to Kat Zingano, she had the perfect matchups to get her to that title shot. We're talking about after she loses the Kat, she goes in there against Shayna Baszler. You know, come on, easy fight. Then she goes in there against Sarah, Sarah McMahon, who at the time was a quitter, you know, who will take a knee in a fight. Then she goes in there against, you know, Valentina gets that win, which was her best win during that little uh, her that little stretch. And then after that, you know, she gets Misha Tate, who we know is one of the most hittable chicks ever in terms of that upper echelon of women's fighters. And then Ronda Rousey, who was completely done at the time, who didn't want to fight anymore, who quit the sport, who ballooned up like a whale after that fight. So, <laughs> so you know... It was more of a product of matchups in that opinion. And those chicks, all those chicks are hittable. And, you know, in that first fight, Valentina, she was just too much on the defense. But now, man, she's improved so much. You know, she's going to – and Amanda knows she can't charge her. She can't charge her like how she does everyone else because she knows the counters are going to, you know, be uh, presented for Valentina. So, you know, I think this fight will hit round three. And when it hits round three, that's when Valentina's going to take over. I mean, Amanda might get a takedown in the first round or two, but I don't I don't think Valentina's going to get her back taken or submitted or anything. If anything, it's just going to make that energy level come down even quicker. So, you know, I like Valentina in this one. You know what, man? I completely understand where you're coming from. And if this does go to the later rounds, you know, I'll completely be like, wow, you know, if I'm picking Amanda, I'll be like, damn, Valentina's about to take over. But what I'm thinking here, man, is that 
Amanda's a different fighter now, man. That firepower is on a different level. I think she's going to actually come out here and take Valentina out quick. I don't even think that Valentina is going to be able to weather the storm. I think that Amanda, she feels like she's the champion now. She feels like the Octagon's her home. She's feeling more confident than ever. I think she's going to come out there and beat the undersized Valentina Shevchenko very quick. Whether it's a knockout, whether it's a submission, I think she's going to do it in the first round. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you didn't expect that. Everyone's picking Valentina. I'm going to come on the other side, take the champ, Nunes. We'll see what happens. I'm not betting on the fight. So, you know, I can't talk too big, but I'm going to go with Amanda. Let's see what happens. So, it's time for the Big Marley Minute. It's time for that Big Marley Minute. All right, here we go. Joining me now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself, Kyle Marley. How's it going, man? Great, man. Looking forward to this weekend. I'm going to head out to Vegas tomorrow, go to these fights, and hopefully win some money. Man, it's going to be a good time. I mean, you got the best fight of 2017 between Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero. I mean, look, man, as a fan, how can you not just sit back and enjoy that one? But as a, as a daily fantasy sports player, I mean, is this another one of those situations where you put both those guys in your lineup or what? I don't mind that move. Again, uh, in cash games where you're head-to-heads, I don't hate that move at all. Um, but your tournaments, I think you're going to have to pick a side. If you're doing one lineup, I do think you need this fight in there. However, if you're making 10 lineups, I'm not against both of these guys in all 10 of them. Maybe if you like Whitaker, have seven Whitaker, three OL, because uh, whoever wins this fight will score high. Um, and, yeah, this is the one I'm looking forward to the most. And, man, there's so many underdogs to choose from. I mean, you got a guy like Jim Miller who's plus 205 currently. We know Anthony Showtime Pettis hasn't been, you know, in, in prime form at all for a very long time. But then you also got a guy in Douglas Silva DeAndrade. He's 24-1. and one. We don't often see records like that in modern-day mixed martial arts. I mean, you think these are two underdogs we could look to kind of beef up the team a little bit? Yeah, I do think uh, – actually, I think Miller will be kind of highly owned since he is so low of a price on DraftKings. So I don't know how much Miller I'm going to have. I do think Pettis wins the fight. But you might be on to something there with Andrade because I don't think he'll be highly owned at all. I can see a lot of people being on Font just because he finishes a lot of his fights. So that could be a great play right there that sneaks under the radar and could win a GPP if he can pull out that win. Uh, I might have to do some of that myself. You might have just talked me into it. <laughs> well, I think the most highly owned player is going to be minus 900 Curtis Blades. I think that... You know, the consensus is that, I mean, especially after his last fight, everyone thinks he's going to go out here and basically throw Daniel Omelanchuk out of the octagon. Yeah, I mean, I would, I have no problem with that play at all. I think if you're going to go up to that higher range, he is the play. I don't see how he loses this fight. So I'll definitely have a lot of blades myself. And if, if you're going with these top three guys, I don't know how you can really go LaPrice and Font over blades unless you really just need that cap room to put better underdogs in your team but yeah i like blades a lot he'll be very highly on probably the highest like you're right now what do you think about this fight between Bilal muhammad and jordan mean because Bilal, he is a point fighter i mean he's known for winning those decisions but whenever jordan mean is able to get a victory he usually yeah. knocks dudes out in the first round yeah uh so yeah basically since if he's gonna win it's gonna be in the first round he's a good guy to target in tournaments However, I'm a big uh, value guy with DraftKings, so I'm looking at DraftKings right now, and they're both priced 8100 But then if you go to the betting lines, we're sitting at Muhammad is minus 165 So there's a lot of value right there in DraftKings. So 
that immediately puts Muhammad on a lot of my teams, especially a cash game. You definitely want that value in cash games. However, you're right. If Mean wins, it's going to be early, and that's going to score a lot of points in DraftKings as well. So I would say he is only a tournament player where you can use Muhammad in both kinds of formats. And I feel like you got to flip a coin in a fight between Tiago Santos and Gerald Mershart because if you put both of them on your team, one guy's going to lose either by knockout or submission. I think it's either Tiago winning by knockout or Gerald by submission. So the loser is not going to score a lot of points. You got to make a decision. Which of the two do you put in your team? Yeah, agreed. I think this is a lot like that Yoel fight where you have to have one of them on your team because they're going to score a lot of points. So you just got to pick a side on this one. Um, I'm going to have both guys. So like I said, I'm a multiple lineup kind of guy. So if I have 10 lineups, I could see me going maybe six Mearshart, four Santos kind of thing. Um, Because I do like both these guys. I can see them both scoring very highly. And I haven't made my mind up on who's going to win it yet either. And, man, this guy, Alexi Olenek, it's kind of interesting because you saw his last fight. He won in the full mount within a, in Ezekiel choke, but he was on the bottom in full mount. He's a guy that totally flies under the radar. You know, he beat Mirko Krokop via a schoolyard headlock. That's the kind of badass we're dealing with here. And Travis Brown, I mean, he's been on such a decline for the last many years. He's been getting knocked all over the place. You know that Travis Brown's going to be the favorite here. You think uh, Alexi's a guy that maybe uh, people are sleeping on? You think we can put him in our lineups too? I Yeah, I mean, I've actually been thinking about that myself. Because if he wins, you're right, he's probably going to sub him out, be on top, get those takedowns, score a lot of points. And I've been thinking, I don't know how much Brown I want because even if he wins, I don't know how highly he scores. He's going to have to get that knockout early to score highly. And I don't know how much he's going to be pushing the pressure because he does not want to be taken down, I'm thinking. So I think if there's a play in that one, it's Olenek. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. Is there uh, anything I'm missing here? Oh, man, it's a good card. I'm not <laughs> I'm not loving the DraftKings uh, myself yet. I don't have any lineups I'm confident in. Uh, it is a really interesting card, but I think we did hit on the big names. Like I said, though, in cash games, I think Muhammad should be pretty highly owned because of that value. Um, and Mian would only be a tournament kind of play. So you want to think of those kind of things when you're setting your lineups, what kind of contest you're entering. Well, Kyle, man, I hope you have an absolute blast in Vegas. I mean, you're going to be there the same time that Whitaker versus Romero is going down. And come back with a lot of money, my man. Hey, man, that's the plan. Actually, I got one more thing. Um, Looks like in the last half hour or so, DraftKings just put out another qualifier-only tournament. So these are, um, you have to win a tournament to get in, but they have contests posted for UFC uh, 213 where you can try to win this tournament to get in. Uh, and it looks like 100 people can get in. Uh, it's going to be three rounds. The first round, all 100 will compete. The top 50 will advance, and you're going to get paid out based on where you're at. Round two, 50 compete, 25 of them advance. You're going to get paid out a lot more. And then round three, the, the remaining 25 compete, and it's a $20,000 top prize. So I would recommend taking a shot at one of these qualifier tournaments just to try to get in here. Uh, because if you finish 100th place, you make 500 bucks. So not too bad. Hey, well, Kyle, any other uh, little secrets you want to tell the fans? I mean, I expect you to come home with that 25K, but look, if you want to give me 10%, by all means. 
<laughs> I just say, Rick, I recommend getting in there yourself. You can get three entries, get a shot at 20 G's. Um, somebody that knows fighting as well as you do, I think you got a good chance to be in that final hundred. So uh, it's worth taking at least a $3 shot trying to win a tournament, you know? Yes, sir. Well, Kyle, we always appreciate your time. I mean, the fans have been hitting me up. They love the Big Marley Minute. Finally, we're able to give DK advice. I got to step up my DraftKings game big time. You know, doing well everywhere else. But, man, the DK is lacking. But that's why you're here. That's why you're the number one guy on planet Earth right here, right now on Half the Battle. Kyle, thank you so much for the time, brother. They can follow you at Kyle Marley 3 And uh, any parting words for the fans? No, it's, it's actually a big Marley 3 on Twitter. But, yeah, it was, uh, let's win some money this weekend. I hope uh, we got some good fights. Did I really just say Kyle Marley 3? It happens, man. Wow. I mean, that's almost uh, as bad as that Eric Koch play last week, Kyle. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. Don't worry about it. It's definitely not that bad. All right, brother. I'll that catch up with you too. soon, man. Hey, you have a blast in Vegas, all right? All right, man. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, my man. See ya. So we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So Shaq. The fight to watch for UFC 213. You know, we're. I know we're gonna we're gonna pick the same thing. What is it, man? Tell them what it is. Uh, my fight to watch actually is gonna be uh Travis Brown versus Alexi, man. Wow. Uh, I mean, Travis Brown, he's funny to me, man. This guy does weird stuff. He he'll look at the ref, you know, saying my finger's broken, or you know, he'll look at the ref when he's getting pounded on by Derek Lewis and act like it's an eye poke. So this guy will look for his way out, and it's funny to me. And you know, Alexi, he's funny as well. Like Alexi does a lot of awkward stuff in there, and we know if Alexi wins. It's going to be either by Brutal KO or one of the Boa Constrictor submissions and Ezekiel Choke. So, you know, I'm going to say that's the fight to watch. Dude, there's not even a question that the fight to watch is Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero. I mean, this is, one, this is probably the best fight of 2017. It's the best fight that we've seen in years. The You know, I would say two of the top five pound-for-pound pound fighters on planet Earth. I don't care what anyone says. People say DJ's number one. I mean, what about you all, Romero, Robert Whitaker, man? Those, those dudes will kick his ass. You know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, man? So I think this is such an incredible fight. And it just call your friends that don't even watch MMA. Tell everyone you know about Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero. This is a once-in-a-lifetime fight. That is your fight to watch. Shaq, your fighter to watch. You know, I got a bet on him. It's early on the undercard, and it's going to be Cody Stamian. I think we're going to get introduced to one of the top prospects at 45 and 35, wherever he chooses to fight in his UFC career. And I think he's going to have a impressive performance against uh, Terry and Ware here. And um, I'm really interested to see how he takes care of business. So I'm going to say Cody Stamen. You know, my fighter to watch is Bilal Muhammad. Look, he's been win-loss, win-loss in his UFC career. But I think if he goes out here, he beats Jordan Meehan, he gets his first UFC win streak, I think he can go out there, he can... Uh, Make a big name for himself because Jordan Mann, he's been around the game a long time. He's been in there with guys like Matt Brown. He's been in there with guys like Cyborg. And, you know, I do think that this would be a big win for Bilal Muhammad. So for that reason, he is my fighter to watch. So Shaq, we did it, man. UFC 213. Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero. Cannot wait. I can't believe it's finally this week, man. And shit, how excited are you for that fight? Man, I've been ready for this for like a whole month now, so I'm pumped up and I'm ready to, you know, make this money, man. Yes, sir. Follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. 
Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And until next time, let's cash these bets.